Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Welcome to another episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports. On the Believe Podcast Network, we're always striving to bring conversations from the world of sports with different people, could be coaches, players, executives, broadcasters. Today's guest, he's got a tremendous amount of experience in both the NBA and the college basketball scene in a number of different roles. Someone I got to know when I was with the Portland Trailblazers. We've continued to stay in touch throughout many different stops. He is now an assistant coach at Denver University, helping to get that school to the NCAA tournament. None other than one of the smartest basketball minds that I know, Raman Sposato. Coach, Raman, how you doing, bud? You're laying it on a little thick, but I appreciate it. Hey, well, I have to, you know, but I will say this. I don't, I'm not exaggerating that because all of my time in the NBA, um, as a player who's just trying to absolutely fight and claw to get a chance and then to make the most of that chance, you're always trying to stay ready. So you're working out, uh, you're watching film, and one of the things uh, that happened to me in a few different stops, and this was true of the case with my stop in Portland with you, as well as when we were both with the Clippers, is, you know, the video coordinators can give you so much insight and so much information because their knowledge uh, is off the charts. Um, that was your role when you broke into the NBA after graduating from the University of Oregon. Um, it maybe isn't a glamorous job, but it honestly is one of the greatest jobs to get your foot in the door. How did you get your foot in the door in the NBA as a video coordinator? Honestly, it was a, a, a lucky shot and, and it wasn't even my goal. It was just right place, right time, putting my head down. I'll rewind it a little bit. Uh, when in college, I worked in the athletic department at Oregon. I wasn't good enough to play there, and I regret not, tra- not transferring and finding a spot to play. And that's always been a chip on my shoulder for my whole career. But um, I worked in the athletic department in the film room, working for football, working for basketball, working for the volleyball teams, just filming and, and you know cutting up film. And I really owe a lot to, especially the football coaches, Mike Bellotti, Nick Aliotti, Jeff Tedford for showing me at a young age, here I am 18 years old and seeing these coaches work hundred hours a week. And it showed me like, this is what it takes. And so I was just instilled. I was just lucky enough to be on that base layer of all of a sudden, like, this is what it takes. It's the cost of entry, 
right? It's, it's the, co- the cost of admittance of working in sports is just working these long hours and just grinding your ass off. So I was really fortunate to, to have a work ethic just by default because that's what it, it takes. And so I was right place, right time. When I, when I finished school, I worked for one year with a company called Exos Technologies. And my job was to travel around training coaches how to break down film with their, new, with their computers. And Coach Cheeks uh, and the Blazers are one of our clients. And uh, I would train their guys. And we, I, you know, I worked very closely with their staff. I was on the road all the time and visited them whenever they needed help. And he just asked me to stay. And he just, I wasn't trying to get there. All he did was notice I was working hard and help being helpful. And all of a sudden, here I am, 23 years old, on an NBA coaching staff. So um, right place, right time. Uh, somebody took notice of me just working hard because that's how I was taught. I wasn't trying to do anything but, but my job, and it just worked out. I owe a lot to them. Yeah, Coach Cheeks uh, is one of a kind. He's, he's, he's got a great heart. I can, I can envision him giving you a hard time about something maybe you didn't do wrong, but he wanted to make you feel you did it wrong. And then at the end of the conversation, probably when you're kind of, man, what happened? He pops the question and asks you to join the staff because that's kind of the, the, the playful nature that he always had. Um, one, one of my favorite attributes about Coach Cheeks was he will, he will rib you, give you a hard time, bust your chops. The second someone else does, he'll jump them. So you don't mess with him. Like, he, it's great. He, he is, he's a care of people. Uh, like, he really um, – he does it. Uh, like, I was with him in Detroit, too, for a brief stint, and he empowers his staff and, and teaches them by letting them do, if that makes sense. Like he would give, make, he would make sure all the support staff, all the video guys, all the scouts, everyone had a drill they were in charge of. Everyone had a piece of practice, not only to get, uh, you know, get comfortable coaching, but talking to NBA players. Like you, you are a player. It's a little different, right? So I don't have that resume on the, on the court that other guys do, but, um, because I was empowered and because he, he taught me how to speak to NBA players, it gave me a little bit of confidence in the fact that I had some credibility. You know, I never thought about it in that way, you know, because a lot of times NBA players might be uh, intimidating because of what they're doing if you're just breaking into it. But the fact that Coach Cheeks uh, kind of empowered, as you said, each coach to run a different part of practice uh, that would make you much more comfortable, much quicker, as well as anybody that gets into coaching, I would imagine, has aspirations at some point to be a head coach. But you have to understand how to run different drills. You have to understand how to run practices and get comfortable being uncomfortable as you get going. When we go back to, the, to being a video coordinator, though, before on-court work, I don't think a lot of people understand just how much time you would take watching film, breaking things down uh, to help the coaching staff prepare for their upcoming games. What would a typical day be like for a video coordinator in the NBA? I mean, at first when you get in, it's just, just trying to keep your head above water. Um, the, the onslaught of games, I mean, there's 90 games. Uh, and that's if you don't make the playoffs. So it's just a constant barrage of, of work. Now, I'm, I'm very fortunate. Like John Lawyer, Tim Gergerich, Mark Workentine, those guys all took me under their wings when I was 23 years old and showed me how to do it. 
and not necessarily like press and record and you know all that stuff of just of just what it takes to be helpful what it takes to be two steps ahead what it takes to make sure that that when it comes time for the coaches to prepare for the game plan they're ready to go right so my job as the video coordinator when I first broke in was to make sure that the assistant coaches were prepared to prepare the head coach, to prepare the team, right? So I had, I was always like a week in, a, a week in advance, trying to like break down opponents, trying to make sure that, that once the assistant coaches who were in charge of the game plan at the time, they had everything they needed to make sure that, that they had all their, you know, everything we had to do. So, Basically, it's um, my the typical NBA day. Um, essentially, it's 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. every day, except for Thursdays because there's only a couple games on TV, the TNT game. So I would get to go home at 7 p.m. So I was very fortunate at the time. I was young, energetic, you know, eager to learn. And, um, I mean, it, it takes a toll. You don't get to have family holidays. You don't get to, you know, go out with your boys and watch football. Um, and you just grind. And once you kind of get the, the, the feel of the flow and how to be two steps ahead and how to you know, like find another way to help and how to find a little nuance or whatever, it's, it's great. And um, once you kind of get the swing of things, there is nothing better. The best feeling in the world is knowing another team's plays better than their players. And it's, 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 the, it's the, like knowing when another team makes a mistake is the best feeling because you feel like you were prepared. Oh, no, no, you're supposed to make this cut. You're supposed to go back door. You're supposed to do this. And there's a funny story, if, if, um, if we get there, about that, that same kind of thing that when I was with Santa Cruz Warriors, we were in the playoffs. And we, it was, I think we were playing Bakersfield, and it was a, a, a grind. Like we played them like five or six times in a year. And every game was just a fight. And it was, it was uh, now, now, a little backstory here. My two, like, I like to talk, you know me well enough to know yeah, that. I like yeah, to talk go for it. Smack. I like it. <laughs> we like to talk a little smack. Like, you and I used to have epic shooting battles, and we used to all sort of, you know, after every practice, we'd have our shooting games, whatever. But my, Mo Baker and Kiwi Gardner were two of our players, and they would sit right next to me. And the whole time during the, the games, we would just run off at the mouth, talking smack to the other team. Now, I'm very fortunate to know, to, 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 to be in a position where, like, I was comfortable doing that. Our head coach, Casey Hill, was terrific. He let me, you know, whatever. Anyway, during the, during the, the game, it's the playoffs. They run a play. And I don't even remember the play or the name of the, of the guy. But it's right in front of our bench, and they mess up. he messes up the play. And I said, dude, how do you mess up your own play? You're supposed to cut off and get the ball in the post. He looked at me with his eyes as big. Like, he lost his mind. And our two guys next to me lost it. Like, we were on him the whole game. It was incredible. What a fun series. And he was like, how did you know that? Film, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, and I can see that happening for sure. Because you kind of started going there in the fact that video coordinators, yeah, you know your own team because you're around them every day at practice, shoot arounds, games. But you know the league, the players, the teams, the, the defense and offensive philosophies, the calls, the sets, you know them inside and out. And I've had conversations with, with many friends of mine that, that know the game well, but they know it is playing in maybe high, high school level, maybe low college level. They know the game. They'll watch it. They'll pick out one or two things. But then – you talk to somebody like yourself who has, you could name 
any play, any any organization, any team, you tell them what the what what is this action called, and you could spot on call, you know, the entry points, the angles for the entry points, the screens, what the teams are called, who's going to be on one of those positions of the floor to get them to their sweet spots. How fun is it that you in that role know the game probably I mean quite frankly you're you're the top of the top of knowledge of the game of basketball how fun is that well it's just because we we put in work you know what I'm saying it's just it's just reps of watching the games and seeing this if you see the same play five or six times throughout the course of a of of a two-week stretch you generally know what to look for right you know what they're trying to do when they're trying to do it and it's just it's just from it's just the reps you know what I mean It's, it's not like there's a formula except for hard work. Now, again, I'm just fortunate to be in the fact that I was trained how to do it by guys who work hard. So, you know, it's just the work. It's, there's no special formula. Well, you were in the NBA for, for quite some time, and you had a couple different stops. You, you were worked under some really good coaches, uh, Mo Cheeks being one, uh, Mike Dunleavy another one. Um, of all the coaches that I played for in the NBA, I think Mike Dunleavy – um, who you follow to the college game, and we'll touch on that later. I think Mike Dunleavy might be the most genius mind I've ever been around in the game of basketball. Every action on the floor had a number to it. It was, it was something that, you know, I studied the game. I, I really took care of my craft because I had to. Otherwise, I would have just been bypassed by so many guys because they were more athletic and different things. But I, I picked up on things pretty quickly, and I thought – Explain, if Mike's the, the, the smartest coach you've ever worked with, explain a little bit about his philosophy and, and how he looked at the game. Coach, coach Dunleavy's on a whole different plane. Like, we're here, he's up way up there, right? And he has the unique ability of better than anybody I've ever met to see all 10 guys at once and kind of know where they're going, where they're going to be, right? He... It, it, it's hard to put into to normal people words, right? Because he, you, you give him a suggestion and he's not only thinking about the reaction, he's thinking about two steps ahead of, well, this is how they're going to counter. So like, this is how they're going to counter. And this is how we need to do. And we can't do that because it's going to put the four man there and the four man has to guard the switch. Like it's such a different playing field right now. I, I'm just lucky because like he empowered me too, right? He, he teaches every day. Uh, he's a terrific teacher. He's a big-time basketball mind. He cares about people. But the best thing about Coach is it's zero micromanage. He's just like, you do your job so I can do mine, right? First of all, he's the, he's the hardest-working dude you've ever seen. He watches every tape, every – I'll tell you a quick story. So back when I was um, probably – I can't remember what year. It was probably around when you were there. He would, he would um, allow – um, the interns in the video room, by that time I was on the floor, but the interns, in the, we would write these reports of like what um, other teams were trying to do. NBA head coach, intern puts a sheet of paper on his desk. The next uh, afternoon, you'd go to, the, go to his desk and it would be diagram marked up, highlighted, circled, and then he'd have, have notes on it. Like he, what that does is empower you. This dude cares about what I'm doing right? My work is going directly to him for him to do his work. And what it does is just, it inspires you to work your tail off. The dude watches so much film that he is, and he's the most prepared you'll ever be 
uh, or anyone you'll ever see, it, it translated down, right? Now, his hands-off approach, it means you better have your stuff together, right? Because, first of all, there's nothing you've watched that he hasn't watched himself, right? So it just, all it did is just make you work your tail off just to make sure that you're actually helping him, right? Because he, if, if you're not helping him, what's the point of, of you being an assistant, right? So, again, fortunate to just to have that trickle-down effect of, of the, the hard work and him demanding a lot just by knowing everything, right? So you have to make sure you're, you're of value. Like, if you're not bringing something to him that's helpful, what's the point? Yeah, so I it just really, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, I remember practices where you could tell we would watch film before we go out on the practice floor. You could tell that he had maybe 15 things that he wanted to go over with the guys, right? In practice, in video sessions, were still really long, but he could only go over about seven or eight of them because just guys' mental capacity or attention span couldn't handle going over all 15 things that he wanted to go over. Right. Before, before, we, um, before he raised the money to build the practice facility at, um, at the Clippers, uh, I used to drive up after, after games at night and bring him to watch the game. So the game's on the West Coast end at 10 p.m. So I'm at his house at 11. I see him the next morning at 7.30 and he's watched the whole game, you know, watched all the clips. So um, the work ethic, again, is just instilled in, in his drive to, you know, to soak up knowledge and watch hoops. And you know, he watches five games at night now. So um, it just trickles down and I'm fortunate to, to be a part of it. After things happen, you guys no longer are in, with the Clippers. A couple of years later, he gets into the college game. You know, you've been in the pros for – a number of years yourself in, in different capacities. Again, started off as video coordinator, became an on-the-floor coach, which is, uh, quite frankly, every coach's goal when you start off uh, in the NBA. You, know, you work your way to the bench, on the court. Maybe if you progress well enough, you get a chance to have a head job. You go to the college game, and you're working with Mike Dunleavy at Tulane. Not so much about Mike now, but more so for you. What was the biggest differences that you had to work through going from the NBA game to the college game? The first thing I noticed, which was right away, was how much I took for granted how good the guys are in the NBA. Like, for example, we would run plays at Tulane that we ran at the Clippers, right? And we would get exactly what we want. The roll guy would get open. He was wide open. And all we needed to do was deliver the ball from the point guard to the, and get an easy layup. Well, either we didn't catch the ball or the, the pass got deflected, whatever. It's just how much you took for granted how good those guys are. The ability to deliver a ball on time on target is so undervalued. And, and <laughs> just catching and dunking is such an is impressive skill. And you just take it for granted. And the second thing I noticed was the size and speed of everybody. Like, I just remember, you know, playing pickup when Grant Hill, when Vinny Del Negro was the head coach, we had an amazing team. Like, our team was so loaded. Our second unit would destroy teams. And um, while the guys were injured, I get to play. I would get to play, you know, two-on-two or three-on-three trying to get the guys ready to, to come back. And I just, like, Grant Hill takes up the entire court. I think I'm wide open. I get, I, I, you know, I make the pat, whatever he steals it. Like the guys are so big and so fast and the speed of the game and the power of the game in the NBA is so different. Now, you know, there's, there's some colleges that have a lot of talent too. There's size and speed, you know, now 
Tulane, we were trying to get there, right? And uh, we had unbelievable kids. They worked their tail off. But at the end of the day, you know, the difference, the difference is just how talented and how good and how big and how fast everybody is. Now, we know that the, the one thing that coaches have in common is great players. Like, great coaches are because of great players. Now, and the talent, the talent is not going to reach the NBA. You can be as talented as you want, as you know. But if you're not, if you're not going to work and if you're not going to do all that stuff to make it, like it does, it's, it's irrelevant. So the, the talent, the size, the speed, the work ethic, the drive in the NBA is unmatched. There's nothing like it. You just made the comment, great coaches a lot of times are made by great talent. And I agree with that to a certain extent. I mean, obviously a great coach has to have uh, a great ability to uh, evaluate talent, to develop talent, to manage in a game situation. Um, when you look at your role now at Denver and, and you're an assistant coach under Rodney Billups, who's a young head coach uh, as well, when you look at your role and you go out evaluating players, now, I know you can't talk about specifics due to NCAA guidelines, but when you go out recruiting, what are the things that you look for, knowing your NBA background and knowing your college background, but you have to fit your vision inside of what Coach Billups is going to want for the overall program? You have to it, – it's hard because um, – so, so I'll tell you a quick story about um, my first AAU tournament. Um, it was, uh, you know, in the NBA, you're not allowed to go see high school games. It's against the rules. And there's a huge fine if, if you're caught going to an NBA or a high school game. So I hadn't seen a high school basketball game in probably a decade. So um, I'm at my first AAU tournament. And, and I'm like, God, these guys, you know, like, I don't see it. Like, these guys are you know, it's like the other day I was, I was uh, coaching uh, um, DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin. And now I'm watching these guys and I'm just like, like, wow, what a drop off. And I'm like, Oh, I like this guy. And I'm like, coach, coach, we got to see this guy. And I look around with Calipari and then like, like all the big guys, all the big guys. I'm like, Oh, the, the good guys are easy to find. Right. So um, immediately I had to adjust like my barometer, right? Like, okay, first of all, we're evaluating 16, 17, eight-year-olds. What are they going to be like when they're 19, 20, 21, right? You're, you're evaluating down the road. So you have to find something that you think can grow. You have to find something, one, that's good enough. Two, that you think can grow into something that can help you, right? Now, if, if, a, if a guy's 6'10 and super polished, he's going to go high, high level, right? There's not a lot of those guys out there. So you have to find something that you can see that, hey, I think in three years, if he works on this, he could be really good at this, right? So you have to just kind of find that, find that, I guess, skill set and, and thing that can become the strength and thing that can, can become their calling card. Now, Coach Billups, the first thing we look at is character. We're not like, it, it, it's, it's non-negotiable. We want high character kids. It's a really tough school to get into. Our guys do really well once they get here because they all care. We have a good support system and staff, and coach sets the tone. School is, is, is the primary concern. We're here. We're student athletes. Student comes first. So the tone is set. The expectations are set. You have to go to class. You have to do your own work. You have to um, do mandatory study hall. 
we're trying to develop these kids into uh, productive members of society, um, adults who are good fathers, good friends, good husbands uh, down the road. And cutting corners in class is not going to get that done. So the expectation is set, high character, good work ethic, potential for growth. I can imagine that was difficult going from <laughs> working out Blake Griffin, yeah. uh, DeAndre Jordan, to then going to an AAU tournament and like, oh, well, I guess we can't run big to big elbow pick and rolls and just throw it up at the top of the yeah. backboard for an easy dunk. So uh, you've made that adjustment well. Uh, you're obviously in your second stint uh, at the college level as an assistant coach. And as I kind of alluded to earlier, most coaches that get into this, you start developing your own personality uh, as far as who you are as a coach and what you are trying to strive to become. And typically that's to be a head coach. Where are you in the thought process? And I'm not asking you to say, Hey, you know what? I'm on a two year plan to get a head coaching job, but everybody has that. I believe inner desire to kind of run their own program. If you're a coach, what, what does Raman Spasado's overall preparation to become a head coach when the time is right look like? Honestly, I've never been a five-year plan. I've never been a – my, my mindset has always been just work as hard as you can at what you're doing and see what happens. Now, again, I've, I've mentioned this already. I've had unbelievable mentors like Dunleavy, Del Negro. Vinny Del Negro taught me so much in just terms of how to manage all the BS – um, coach Billups does stuff every day to help us, to help us grow. So, um, like I'm just trying to learn as much as I can. And honestly, I'm just trying to win games here first. Like, let's not put, let's not, <laughs> we're not even going to get to the bridge, let alone the river. If we don't get, you know, we got to get there first. Right. So, um, we got to win some games here and I think we're on the right track. I love where we're trending. I love, um, our guys, our, our guys are hundred percent bought in. They're grinding. They're really eager to get back off of the off of the COVID hiatus here and and make up lost time for uh, all, all the practices we missed. Um, we we've been doing a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of meetings, a lot of stuff to to keep us connected and and keep growing as 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 young men. So I'm excited about where we're going. And look, I love this city, so I, I want to stay here as long as I can and, and see and see kind of what happens once we really get clicking. Raman, really appreciate the time. Uh, you know, it's always nice to, to talk hoops with you because, as I mentioned, uh, you're one of those guys that knows the ins and outs better than almost anybody I've ever come across. Wish you nothing but the best of, of health. Uh, hopefully we can, as a country and a college basketball uh, group, get through this and, and have a college basketball season. And if it does, hopefully my college broadcasting takes me at some point to a Denver game so we can reconnect in person. So thanks again for joining, Coach. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me, Dan. The ISO with Dan Dickow in SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.